BYU is 4-2 and two as they hit the halfway point of their season, having played six games with six games remaining on their schedule. It's Tuesday. We're talking about midseason grades for BYU. Where does the offense, the defense, and the special teams check in in my mind? We're talking about all of it on today's show. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Thank you to all of you who are everydayers with us right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is your original daily podcast focused on all things BYU sports. And a big thank you for your patronage, as always. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. And we'll tell you a little bit more about what Prize Picks is offering you in the daily fantasy space uh, coming up a little later on in today's show. Let's dive right in on today's podcast. And as I mentioned in the open, BYU has played six games in the regular season. They have six to go. They sit at four and two on the season, and they're coming off a pretty horrendous loss to TCU. But nonetheless, they have reached the halfway point. We are at the half uh, halftime of the 2013, not 2013, holy God, 2023 season uh, for the BYU football program. And I wanted to take some time on today's show to talk about where I think things stand for each facet of the BYU football program. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give a grade out. Uh, It's going to be for the offense, the defense, special teams, and I'll even probably grade the coaching staff as well, the job the coaching staff has done in my mind at this point of the season. Now, let's also acknowledge that these are arbitrary. This is the... The gospel according to Jake Hatch, in a way, when it comes to BYU football. And I feel like I've got a pretty good sense for things. Obviously, many of you know that I am a credentialed media member. I've been covering BYU for the better part of, what, 14, 15 years now. So I've been around the block a time or two. So let's first off talk about BYU's offense. Now, the offense statistically is really, really down right now for BYU. Now, I will add the caveat that the offense is going up against the toughest schedules we talked about all offseason long that BYU is quite literally ever faced. They opened up with two patsies and Sam Houston as well as Southern Utah and they struggled their way through both of those games but then they kicked off a 10 game march through uh, the most power five teams that BYU has ever played in its football history and the offensive woes are not wholly unexpected due to the magnification of just the overall strength of schedule BYU is going up against. That being said it has not been good enough for BYU. You, it's, I don't think I'm breaking any news to anybody. It's been a paltry output, averaging just over 300 yards per game. This is a program the past couple of years who was up near 400 and 450 yards on average on regular occurrences when it came to having Zach Wilson and Jaron Hall under center. I feel like this year's offense for BYU has undergone a transformation, whereas both Zach Wilson and Jaron Hall added the QB run game element in spades, it feels like it's been neutered to a degree with Keaton Slovis. I'm not saying that Keaton Slovis is not mobile. He has shown that he is mobile. He actually has, I think, was it three rushing touchdowns? The only three rushing touchdowns of his collegiate career to this point have come at BYU. So I'm not saying that he's immobile, but he is a guy who makes more plays from the pocket with his arm versus offering the QB power, read option, that type of stuff that BYU has had as part 
part of their offense over the past couple of years. BYU's offense has suffered to a degree because of that. The other thing about this is BYU's offensive line has not been fantastic. At times, the wide receivers and tight ends have been unable to get open and make plays for Keaton Slovis, especially against TCU. Across the board, it felt like, and I mentioned on Monday's podcast in my film review, I really feel like Chase Roberts and maybe Parker Kingston were really the only receivers that stood out to any significant degree in that game. Everybody else got bottled up, and that was disappointing because you want to see these wide receivers. They've got to be able to get themselves open and make themselves available to a guy like Keaton Slovis. So, all of that uh, said, oh, let me also add this. The running game, not been good enough either. Obviously, you look at the statistics, it's just not good enough. Averaging just a shade over 60-some-odd yards per game through six games, that's not going to do it. You've got to improve in that. So across the board, the offense is down for BYU. And at the midway point of the season, despite BYU sitting at 4-2 and two, where they've kind of hammed and egged their way to a winning record, being two games above 500 at this point, I'm giving a grade to the BYU offense of a D plus. I just don't think it's been good enough, and it needs improvement. Kalani Satake spoke during his media Monday media availability about the need for the offense to get to back to being more explosive. What's that going to entail? Well, it needs the offensive line to continue to gel and hopefully at some point put it all together in the back half of the season against maybe the toughest opponents that they will face uh, in the back half of the season. You need to see Keaton Slovis be better with his decision making and obviously process things faster and get the ball out of his hands. Also, you need to see the running backs, LG Jay Martin, Deion Smith, Miles Davis, and if Aiden Robbins ever gets cleared uh, to play again, you need to see them uh, be better with their overall reads, picking holes, being decisive. That's one thing that's been lacking at times is there's sometimes a very good block up front with regards to the offensive line, and the running back hesitates. You cannot hesitate in this run scheme. You have to be decisive. That's one thing that made guys like Jamal Williams and Tyler Algier so good for BYU is they they diagnose plays very quickly. They picked a hole and they hit it. You have to see better of that. I mentioned the wide receivers. You need to see them be able to force their way open. They're not going to face anybody it feels like lesser than what TCU threw at them in terms of defensive backs. Texas Tech, Iowa State, Oklahoma State. Not to mention you have the likes of uh, uh, Oklahoma as well as Texas still on the schedule. Those defensive backs are as good, if not better, than what TCU threw at you. If BYU's wide receivers cannot win one-on-one battles, BYU might as well be dead in the water, and that's going to be a difficult pill to swallow if you're a BYU fan. Uh, Now, let's talk about what's going on with... uh, So I'm ready... I'm going to uh, flip and talk about the special teams for, here for a minute. We'll talk about the defense and the coaching job uh, in just a second here. Now, with regards to special teams, that's like the one redeeming grace for BYU. Whereas I think the offense is a D plus, the special teams by and large has bailed out, a B, bailed out BYU in multiple circumstances. This past game uh, notwithstanding, I felt like BYU special teams have been solid, if not uh, spectacular, for most of this year. Ryan Rico has been Big 12 caliber. He's been very, very good punting the football. I think that Will Farron, yeah, could he have made a, a, a big kick against Arkansas? Yeah, he could have done that, but he I thought he made a pretty good kick against TCU. He's been solid in the kicking game. He's not necessarily been called upon to go out and win a game at this point. We don't know how he'd react in that situation, but I feel like the kicking game has been solid. Return game, the punt return still remains 
remains a weakness for BYU. They made the shift to uh, Parker Kingston this past week, but the, I think he only faced one punt, or maybe two punts, the entire game against TCU. So there's a little bit of lack of a sample size there with regards to him as the punt returner, but Hobbs Nyberg wasn't getting it done, so they made the transition there. And I think that Keelan Marion, as I also noted on our Monday podcast, he is coming into his own, it feels like, as a kick returner. Now, it's not new for him because he did this at UConn, so the nice part is the return game, I think, uh, offers some promise. So with regards to the special teams, I'm going to give BYU a solid B with regards to their special teams. It's not been standout, noteworthy, awesome, but at the same time, it's not been a, a big weakness. It's not been the weak point for BYU this season. So got a D-plus for the offense, a B for the uh, special teams. Where does the defense stand, and where do I think the coaching uh, staff stands with regards to my grade for them at midseason? We'll talk about all that as we continue on right here. Unlocked on Cougars. Let's talk about our friends over at uh, LinkedIn. Of course, we've been talking about LinkedIn for months, if not years now, my friends. These days, every new potential hire for your small business can feel like a high-stakes wager. You want to be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates available, and that's why you need to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs help you find the right people for your team faster and for free, and the best part is you can go online and set up your job profile for whatever you're hiring for right now, and then add that job posting and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. They have simple tools like screening questions to make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hopefully, ultimately, hire. It's why our friends over at LinkedIn Jobs are rated number one in delivering quality hires versus their leading competitors, and they want to help you guys out right now. They're helping you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college. Post that job for free once again. Term and conditions apply. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at Perry Homes. We've been talking about them on our great local sponsors. Whether you're looking for your first home, you're ready to upgrade to your dream home, Perry Homes has a house for you. For 50 years, Perry Homes has been Utah's premier home builder with communities throughout the state. They have many communities, home designs, and price points all designed with you in mind as the consumer. They have beautiful communities in Davis, Salt Lake, Tooele, and Utah counties along the Wasatch Front here in Utah. But if you also want to live in southern Utah, they have multiple communities in Washington County near St. George as well. They offer over 50 unique home designs from Ramblers to two stories to townhomes. Like I mentioned, it's all with you guys in mind. They will fit you, uh, fit you, excuse me, with everything you guys need in terms of your home. And they even have quick moving homes available if you're ready to make the move right away. So visit PerryHomesUtah.com to see what's new in Utah's finest neighborhoods. That's Perry, P-E-R-R-Y, HomesUtah.com. To learn more now, for 50 years, Utah's been coming home to Perry Homes. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars a part of your day. Thank you for being everydayers with us right here on the podcast. want to remind you guys uh, to make sure you check out the Locked On College Football Kickoff Live on Friday mornings, 9 a.m. Mountain Time. It's 11 uh, a.m. Eastern Time. It's an hour-long program getting you ready for the weekend ahead in college football. Football. It's available on every YouTube channel that has a Locked On uh, College channel on, including Locked On Cougars. So check that out Friday mornings, and it's also available uh, shortly thereafter on demand on YouTube or wherever uh, you get your podcasts in the audio format as well. All right, I mentioned that I, I rated BYU with a D plus on offense, a B on special teams, but I want your guys' thoughts. By the way, I'm, I'm soliciting your thoughts as well. Drop them in the YouTube comments if you're watching this on YouTube. Tweet at us, uh, drop us a note on Instagram or Facebook, email the show, Locked On. BYU at gmail.com. 
That is the email address if you want to reach out that way. Uh, but let's talk about the defense and the coaching uh, job uh, for BYU at the midway point of the season. Let's talk about the defense first of all. Now, Jay Hill came in with a lot of promise. And early on this season, through the first three or four games, it felt like BYU's defense had shown marked improvement in a number of statistical categories, none more so, obviously, than scoring defense. Ultimately, the job of a defense is to hold opposing teams down no matter what it takes. Now, does that mean you can give up 500 and some odd yards like they did against TCU and expect to hold them down for that long? No, you cannot afford to do that. And BYU's been trending downwards over the past three games in particular. Obviously, the loss at Kansas, the home win over Cincinnati, and then obviously the latest debacle against TCU. Those have been trending downwards with regards to the overall defensive metrics. The hope is that BYU will be able to right this ship at some point. But as I already mentioned earlier on in today's show, the murder row, the toughest slate of games for BYU in this schedule, are yet to come. So, what can you expect from BYU's defense? Well, the question is how much more attrition can they absorb? Because we learned yesterday that uh, both Ben Bywater, BYU's star middle linebacker, as well as starting safety Tanner Wall are both done for the season uh, due to injury. They both are going to undergo surgery or will have surgery in the near future. Those two losses are critical ones for BYU. I don't know how many more hits BYU can absorb uh, at safety on Honestly, because you already lost Michael Harper for the season. Malik Moore has been rendered completely ineffective. When he's been put on the field, he's a liability, and he's been benched. He's third string on the depth chart this year, folks. I would not expect to see Malik Moore on the field the rest of the season for BYU, barring something completely crazy. It just feels like he's been given multiple opportunities and has just been unable to respond. Now, with regards to middle linebacker, I think Harrison Taggart is young. He is eager. He's fast, but he has just not been bywater. That's going to hurt BYU's linebacking core. You're going to see A.J. Vongpachon especially step up in that role alongside uh, Harrison Taggart as well as Max Tooley. Probably also would need to see guys like Ciala Yacera, Ace Kafusi, um, Micah Kafusi, on down the list of the uh, depth pieces at linebacker for BYU step up. Now some of you have asked about Chaz Ayu's status. Uh, Frankly, folks, I don't know what Chaz Ayu's status is because he is on the depth chart for BYU, but if any of you are paying attention to social media this past week, particularly on Instagram, they had a BYU built-for-life trip to Las Vegas, if I recall correctly, and I was looking at some of the athletes who were attending that event. While BYU, let's note this, was headed to Fort Worth to take on TCU, Chaz Ayu was in Las Vegas. I don't know what to make of that. Is he injured? Is he just been rendered a, a bench a unit? I I don't know what the status is, but it was I thought it was particularly noteworthy unless that was video and audio and all kinds of stuff from a different weekend, but I don't believe it was. I believe it was from the this past weekend to have Chaz Ayu in Las Vegas while the rest of the BYU football team is in Fort Worth feels particularly noteworthy. So the attrition for BYU is hitting hard, and also it also got hit by the transfer portal. Michael Daly has officially announced or he's, uh, I guess, withdrawn or pulled himself out of the BYU football program and he will enter the NCAA transfer portal after the season. Kalani Sitake confirmed that news during his media availability as well. So a lot of hits for BYU in terms of their overall top-end talent and depth pieces for BYU. Michael Daly was a backup uh, defensive end. I don't know why Daly's leaving because you don't usually see guys who are listed in the two deep and we're seeing time for BYU leave the football program. But he has his reasons. You wish him well and say, hey, nothing but the best for you. I wish you nothing but the best moving forward. But I say all of that to say this. BYU's defense has been trending downwards, and it's concerning, especially considering, as I mentioned, that they are going to face the toughest slate of games that they have in the back half of the season. So where do I grade BYU's defense right now? I grade them as like a C or a C-. minus. I'll give them a C. I'll just be, I'll be kind. I feel like there's been an improvement overall in terms of the overall belief and the overall energy on defense. 
defense. They're just lacking horses. And it's going to take some time for Jay Hill and his assistant coaches underneath him, speaking of the position coaches, to get BYU's depth as well as top-end talent on defense to where they feel like it needs to be to be able to compete game in and game out at a Big 12 level. I I, I, I know I, I speak often of this, but BYU's defensive recruiting over the past two and three years before Jay Hill came in, it was withering on the vine. It was it was just it was atrocious. They would not recruit guys that did, that had other offers from other FBS programs. It felt like BYU was taking the uh, path of least degree of difficulty when it came to recruiting, and it hurts. It's absolutely hurt BYU on defense. Whereas the BYU offense feels like they have some quality depth, at least in theory different positions it feels like BYU's defensive depth depth excuse me top end they've got very good talent but beyond that it's a massive question mark and that's what BYU is gonna have to work on so I'm grading them as a C right now at midseason and I am interested to see if the downward trend over the past three games continues or if they can have a rebound effort uh, particularly starting against Texas Tech this week We'll see what happens. Now, final uh, grade I'm going to hand out today is the coaching job that BYU has done. Kalani Satake and his staff knew what they were going up against because him and his top lieutenants, speaking of both Jay Hill and Aaron Roderick as his coordinators, and even Kelly Papinga as a special teams coordinator, all of them have coached at the Power 5 level. The aforementioned uh, top three, speaking of Kalani Satake, Aaron Roderick, and Jay Hill, were on the University of Utah staff when the Utes made the transition to the Pac-12. They have seen this transition go down. They know what it looks like firsthand. They actually had a longer leash and a longer runway to get ready for this transition, uh, speaking of BYU, than they did at the University of Utah. And obviously the University of Utah has been flying high of late. It has taken a, a solid decade to build to where they are at today, but they are considered one of the preeminent teams in the Western United States of America. I I, I know that even the most blue-goggled, I, well, I, I can't say this, I, I hope that the most blue-goggled BYU fan out there listening to this podcast can acknowledge what Kyle Whittingham and his staff have done at the U- University of Utah. The hope is that Kalani Satake, Jay Hill, and Aaron Roderick can take the lessons they learned from their time at Utah and translate those to helping BYU have a faster build-up into the Big 12. Kelly Papinga did the same thing as he went with uh, Bronco Mendenhall to Virginia. He's been to the Power 5 level. They know it's going to take some time to really become the power players that they aspire to be in the Big 12. So the coaching job, honestly, uh, through the first half of this year, I'm going to give BYU a B-. Has it been perfect? No. But it's actually been, I think, a pretty decent job, all things considered, from my opinion. Like I said, I am soliciting your feedback. Am I up in the night? Do you guys think I'm absolutely crazy? for saying that BYU's coaching job is a B-, minus, or am I underrating the coaching job that BYU's done? I want to hear from you guys. Also, weigh in on the offense, special teams, as well as the defense as well. I want your guys' letter grades. If you prefer to do them in percentages, 1 to 100, do that. I I don't care how you give them to me. I want your feedback on this, and obviously we'll be uh, sure to highlight those uh, uh, in a future edition of the podcast, probably coming up later this week, Thursday or Friday. We'll get to those. Uh, We're going to have Connor Pay, as you all know, on uh, tomorrow's podcast on a Wednesday. So, uh, yeah, so there you go. BYU's offense, D+. Uh, offense, D+. Plus. Defense, uh, C, uh, will give a B to the special teams and a B- minus to BYU's coaching staff as they are halfway through their first uh, season in the Big 12 Conference. And we'll see what happens. We'll do, a, obviously, a post-mortem once the season concludes, whether it includes a bowl game or not. That remains to be seen. BYU has two wins from the uh, six-win uh, mark to get to a bowl game this season. And it feels like this game against Texas Tech this week might be an absolutely critical one to pick up for the Cougars, especially considering 
considering it sounds like Texas Tech could be down to their third-string quarterback in that game. And I know all of you are going to say, well, they had a backup quarterback against, against TCU, and he went out and threw for 400 yards on BYU. I get that. I, I get all of that. But let's have some faith that BYU is in actually a pretty advantageous position. They are 4-2, and two, folks. I think we have lost sight of that. A couple of you reached out to me and actually pointed out that very thing. said, Jake, you're a little too doom and gloom for my opinion. I will admit, BYU is 4-2. and two. They are ahead of pace, I think most of us expected. They very well may still end up 6-6. Six and six. They may go 4-2 and two in the first half of the season and finish the season 2-4 and four and end up at that 6-6 six and six mark that I kind of slated before the season as my benchmark for a, a solid debut for BYU. We'll see what happens. The nice part is every game counts for BYU. They are going to stay engaged. Kalani Sitake also acknowledged that when he was talking to the media as well, saying that, the biggest difference between last October when the adversity hit for BYU last year versus this October is he's said, I'll be frank with you, we now have a conference. We now have games that matter on a weekly basis. During Independence, it was kind of the hush-hush, worst-kept secret, is that when BYU got to their sixth win, for lack of uh, winning out in a season and going undefeated, BYU knew that where they were going bowling that season. So the the... There was just not that same type of pressure it felt like for BYU when it came to independence, and it allowed things to spiral at times. They went over in the month of October last year. As we acknowledged in our postcast edition of the show, I remember who reached out to me and pointed it out. BYU, it was Tanner Mortimer. Tanner, uh, you pointed this out. BYU is over in the month of October since 2021. They have not won a game in the month of October since the year of our Lord, 2021. It's been a minute since BYU won an October football game. The hope is this Saturday, they break that streak and they beat the Texas Tech Red Raiders, but we'll break that down uh, more as the week progresses here. But very interesting times for the Cougars right now. And it feels like that uh, TCU loss has BYU reeling a little bit. But the thing at the same time is the BYU has the opportunity to pull themselves out of this funk and start that this very week against Texas Tech. If you allow yourselves to get uh, down in the dumps about that TCU loss, well, yeah, this season absolutely could spiral out of control. But the 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 tone, uh, the, the talk I am hearing uh, from BYU's coaches and players during their media availability on Monday, they sound like they are motivated go out and prove that TCU was an anomaly. BYU's been in every other game they've played outside of the TCU game this year, folks. That's one thing I think we lost sight of, but we only have the most recent game to really react to, and I think that's why BYU fans are down a little bit on the Cougars. But they have an opportunity, obviously, as soon as Saturday to right the ship, get back into the wind column, and if they're 5-2 and two, go heading to Texas, that's not a bad spot to be. And also, just a programming note, if you did not see it already, BYU at Texas will kick off at 2.30 Central Time down there in Austin. That is 1.30 Mountain Time here along the Wasatch Front, and it will be televised on either ABC or ESPN. And I'm not going to lie, I think it really depends on if BYU wins this week. If BYU wins this week and they're taking on a top-10 ranked Texas squad at 5-2, and two, that game probably has ABC written all over it. Now, if BYU is 4-3 and three and near 500, well, that's probably where it's relegated to ESPN. But the good news is it's a top-shelf programming a slot for BYU to be on once again in the mid-afternoon. And obviously, a number of you, well, they suck in the afternoon. Why should we? You know what? They've got to change this. The The future, by the way, just another side note real quick. The future for BYU playing in this Big 12 conference, folks, is when they go east, when they go to the central and eastern time zones, you're not going to see them play at 8 o'clock. You very rarely will see them kick off at 7 o'clock in any of those time zones. The only time they're going to really play under the lights, it feels like, in the Big 12 moving forward is when they play at the Arizona schools against Utah or they have a home game, obviously, at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Get used to playing morning, afternoon, and late afternoon kickoffs, folks. They've got to adjust. 
I don't know what it is, whatever hex or whatever has been cast over the BYU football program with regards to playing day games, but they've got to get out of that funk and they've got to do it right away because this week it's 5 o'clock. Next week it's 1.30. Going to West Virginia, that very well could be a 10 a.m. Mountain Time kickoff. The body clock has got to be adjustable and it's got to be something that BYU adjusts to. And if they don't, well, they're going to find themselves in a world of hurt because that's something that's just, it's simply going to be a fact of life as members of this conference. All right, uh, we will finish up today's show with some more notes on BYU basketball. I, I thought that Robbie McCombs did a really good breakdown of how things look for BYU. I mentioned it on our Monday edition of the podcast that the Ken Palm ratings really, really like BYU analytically. Is Mark Pope's program, are they the analytical darling going into the 2023-2024 uh, season in men's hoops in the toughest basketball conference in the country? Well, it sure looks that way, and we'll break more of that down here in just a moment. Now, a quick word on our friends over at Prize Picks. We mentioned them at the top of today's show. What is about Prize Picks, my friends? They are the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They are the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports, and it's just you against the number. Simple as that, folks. A lot of daily fantasy has you competing against hundreds if not thousands of other people, including pros and sharks, you get to go against the numbers. You pick more or less on any two to six player stat projections and get the winnings. That's simple as that. It's that simple, my friends. You can make these selections in less than 60 seconds, lock it in, and be on with your day. It's the simplest way to potentially win up to 25 times your bet, bet amount. You can turn uh, potentially 10 bucks into $250 in just a few steps, my friends. It's really, really that simple. They even have a reboot entry if, you're, uh, if your entry stay in play even if you have one of your players gets injured. For NFL games and college football top 25 matchups as well, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second half, that player is rebooted. It's the only Daily Z Fantasy uh, sports platform with injury insurance built in. It's protecting you guys as a consumer. So check it out my friends and get started today. Go to prizepicks.com slash college and use promo code college for a first deposit match of up to $100. You put 100 bucks in, you get $100 and have $200 to play with. It's simple as that, my friends. Once again, that's prizepicks.com slash locked on college. Use the promo code locked on college for that first deposit match of up to $100. It's uh, it's absolutely an incredible platform, and it's all courtesy of your friends at Prize Picks. Daily Fantasy Sports made easy. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars a part of your day, everybody. Hope you're having a fantastic Tuesday whenever you watch and or listen to this. Uh, by the way, just another plea for you guys. I say this often. I probably don't say it enough, but please continue to subscribe, rate, and review the show. If you're watching this on YouTube, hit that uh, bell notification uh, icon. Subscribe to the show. Uh, that way you always see when it drops and goes live overnight. If you're up late enough, you can watch it live when it goes uh, goes online. Or if you're watch- uh, listening to this, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the myriad of others out there. Please uh, hit the follow or subscribe button there, and especially on Apple Podcasts. Drop us a five-star rating as well as a quick sentence or two what you like about the show, uh, what you'd like to see improved about the show, whatever you got. Leave us a comment. We'd love nothing more than for your guys' support to continue to roll in here on the podcast. All right, so BYU Basketball, I mentioned yesterday, and the Ken Palm ratings, has uh, they're ranked 36 out of the 362 Division I basketball teams. That is actually a very, very lofty number, especially considering this is the basketball team who has picked to finish 13th out of 14 in the preseason media poll. Now, uh, Big 12 Basketball Media Days gets underway today uh, out there in Kansas City. We'll break more of that down on a podcast later this week. But uh, they are currently slated to finish 13th out of 14 teams. Well, according to KenPalm.com, and obviously Ken Pomeroy is one of the uh, foremost authorities when it comes to college basketball analytics, he has BYU with that ranking as number 8 out of the 14 teams in the Big 12. I'll say this right now. 
if BYU finishes eighth in the 14 team Big 12 this year, they will go to the NCAA tournament. And Kenny, uh, not Kenny, uh, Robbie McCombs from VanquishTheFoe.com broke this down. He says Ken Palm projects BYU with an 18 and 11 regular season schedule and a nine and nine finish in conference play, a 500 conference schedule. As he mentions, seven of the 10 teams in the Big 12 last year went to the NCAA tournament. If you extrapolate that out, you had four more teams to that. That means what? 10 of 14 teams could very well find themselves dancing in March Madness. If BYU accomplishes this, folks, they're going to exceed all expectations, including yours truly. And I, I'm here for it. Because the analytics really like what BYU has returning in terms of their overall scoring and the uh, the additions they made in the transfer portal. As John Rothstein from CBS Sports notes, BYU has the most returning scoring by percentage in all of the Big 12 and by a significant margin. BYU returns 69.2% of its scoring. The next closest are the TCU Horned Frogs with 53.6%. Now, programs like Houston and Kansas have 49 and 42% returning, and obviously they are upgrading and adding just elite talent after elite talent. But there is an opportunity here for BYU to make some uh, make some noise, folks. And if they live up to these analytics, BYU, as I mentioned, would find themselves an NCAA tournament team. And also, Robin points out that another prominent analytics site called EvanMia.com also likes BYU. Evan's rankings have BYU ranked 30th nationally. Nearly top 25, folks. Good enough for 7th in the Big 12. He has Ali Khalifa as the 14th best player in the Big 12 and Fuseni Traore at number 23. If that production and the returning production along with guys like Fuseni, not Fuseni, like Ali Khalifa, the Egyptian magician, if that all pans out, BYU basketball could be pr- good, could be in the middle of the pack in the Big 12, and that would be an incredible debut uh, for BYU. Also, as Robbie notes, this is the highest projection in the Ken Palm ratings that Mark Pope has had in his five years going into a season as BYU's head coach. This is really, really interesting. Are they an analytics darling and the numbers are lying to people out there when it comes to looking at the numbers and the reality will actually be what more of what the media expects for BYU's 13th out of 14 teams in the Big 12? We'll see. But I, for one, am all for the analytics being right and BYU being middle of the pack in the Big 12 and obviously ending their NCAA tournament drought and playing in March Madness. I am all for that. I will be here for it, and the best part is uh, we will all be able to watch it play out. They are not too far away from having their uh, big, uh, not the Big 12, their uh, their tip-off uh, event. It'll be their exhibition game. I believe it's the 25th of, Oct- of October. Then on November 6th, they host Houston Christian, and then that fr- that weekend, November 10th, number 17-ranked San Diego State is going to be in the Marriott Center for maybe the most... Uh, uh, it's going to be the best non-conference matchup BYU will face in their in their non-conference slate. It's a huge game to really open the season, and it'll be a fun one. I cannot wait to be out at the Marriott Center. It's going to be a fun season no matter what happens for BYU with regards to just the, the caliber of opponents BYU will be bringing in, especially when it comes to Big 12 play. And uh, I, as I mentioned before on the podcast, I have secured a pair of seats to the Marriott Center for the entire season. We'll be sending you, our listeners, to the game. So uh, looking forward to that, and obviously, uh, please... Uh, be aware and obviously please enter to win when we start doing those giveaways as the season approaches here pretty quickly. All right. That is going to do it for today's edition of Locked On Cougars. A big thank you once again for making it your first listen of the day. Thank you to all of you who are everydayers with us right here on the podcast as well. And until tomorrow as we talk with Connor Pay about all things BYU football, enjoy the rest of your day. This has been Locked On Cougars. See ya.